Hello, it's David here. Thank you for listening to the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Now, if you're looking for more podcasts to hear during this lockdown, check out the Evening Standards Woman Tech Charge. It features woman pioneers in science, technology, engineering and maths, like former racing car driver Susie Wolfe and Countdown's Rachel Riley. It's just been nominated for a Webby Award. You'll find it on your podcast provider. And please do subscribe to The Leader and give us a rating. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm David Marsland. It's a boy for Boris and Carrie. As members will have seen, as the Mr Speaker has uh, explained, the PM and his fiancée Carrie Simmons have announced uh, the birth of a healthy baby boy this morning. Standing in for the PM one more time, Dominic Raab led the House celebrating Boris Johnson and Carrie Simmons' new baby. We speak to Londoner diary editor Aisha Hazarika and... We present the wine, we choose it. Uh, we talk about it and we then either leave it there. So we give the guests a choice. Would you like us to leave it here and you collect it yourself? Or would you like us to put it on the table and walk away? Michelin star restaurateur Jason Atherton. How different will going out for a meal in London be once lockdown is over? Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, celebrations at number 10. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We now go over to... Questions to the Prime Minister. Boris Johnson was expected to be at PMQs this afternoon, so when it was announced Dominic Raab would be stepping back in, there were questions about whether the PM was fit enough after his battle with coronavirus. Turns out it was because his partner Carrie Simmons had just had a baby. A boy. Such happy news amid such uncertainty. 2020 is certainly a year they will never forget. Both mother and baby are doing well, and I'm sure the whole house will want to join with me in sending congratulations and our very best wishes to them. Can I add my congratulations and the congratulations of the Labour Party, and I'm sure everybody in this house, to the Prime Minister and Carrie Simmons on the birth of their baby boy? 
The warm wishes have been pouring in, including from the Evening Standard. Congratulations to Carrie and Boris, and what a month they have had. Coronavirus devastating, normal life. The Prime Minister in intensive care, back to work to face decisions on lockdown. And today, a baby son. Our best wishes to them all. Evening Standard Londoner diary editor Aisha Hazarika is with me now. And Aisha, it's been an eventful few weeks for Boris Johnson, hasn't it? It certainly has. Well, it's been quite a few months for Boris Johnson. I think it's, um, you know, he became prime minister and, you know, he's, he's had a lot of life events happen. I mean, for most people, just being prime minister would be quite quite a big deal. But he's also got like a lot going on in his in his personal life and his private life and he's also been ill you know he had a brush with with death he was very very seriously ill so he's now got he and Carrie Simmons have had um uh, a baby boy and and many many congratulations to them I mean they've, they've he's also got a wedding to plan <laughs> like he's got a lot on at the moment and of course going so, and sol- solving you know sorting out the, the coronavirus but look in all seriousness he's um he had been very ill I think she had been self-isolating as well. I think she had shown some symptoms. And I think for anyone who is pregnant at this time, I know a couple of um, my friends who are pregnant, it is a it is a moment of anxiety. I think Keir Starmer summed it up um, very well in the Commons today at the beginning of his Prime Minister's questions, where he said it must have been an anxious time. So it is, it's a great relief and, you know, and congratulations to them. Just back as Prime Minister, I understand he is going to take paternity leave, but later on at a kind of unspecified date because he wants to take back control of what's been going on with the pandemic. And there were a lot of questions raised by Keir Starmer at PMQs today, weren't there? Yes, um, I think that's probably the right decision because the country is still in the grip of of, of such a horrendous, horrendous situation. And I thought um, I thought the PMQs today was it was it was a bit more muted than than last week's. Last week's was was a bit sharper um, from from both men. I think both men took they were quite lengthy in their questions and answers. At one point, the the speaker Lindsay Hoyle had to say, "Look." you know, guys, you need to hurry up because I won't get any backbench questions in. But I think um, the line of questioning was correct. He um, went on the situation, particularly in care homes, which it feels like that's where the story is moving. It feels like in terms of the death rates in hospitals, which are still very, very high, let's be honest, but they are beginning, it looks like, touch wood, that they're beginning to, to come down. But it looks like the the sort of epicenter of um, a lot of the the deaths are in care homes and possibly in the community as well. So he went there, he impressed Dominic Raab on you know the continuing saga about a lack of PPE. Um, he also pushed on on testing, which is very important. And I think he also um, put a marker down, which is important. He made a lot of people have been looking at the international figures over the last day or so, looking at the total number of deaths, um, which is very, very high in Britain, there's been a huge spike. Now, we don't know what all the causes are of those other deaths, but it's likely that quite a few of them are going to be related to COVID-19. So I think he put some important um, markers down and asked some sort of forensic forensic questions. So I would say it was a, it was a, it was a good it wasn't a slam dunk it didn't need to be a slam dunk right now he's asking the questions that um, the public are wanting answers to and indeed many journalists are wanting answers to it was quite muted like you said in the comments today even when Dominic Raab made the announcement of Boris Johnson and Carrie Simmons 
new baby. That in itself felt quite muted, perhaps because like we talked about last week, there aren't so many MPs there, so we don't have all the noise that's behind there. But it felt like he didn't really want to celebrate this because there is so much that is troubling the country just now. I think that's right. And I think that was the right decision. While it is obviously um, a cause for personal happiness for um, Boris Johnson and Carrie Simmons, I think the tone was was correct because, you know, when you look at the death toll, when you look at the figures, they are really, really stark. And I think if you're somebody all around the country who has lost a parent or a grandparent or a loved ones, remember people can't even, many people couldn't even go and say goodbye to um, their loved ones. Uh, funerals are being held up. You know, the situation is really, really dire. So I think that was the, I mean, often in politics, you know, context and tone is everything. You know, if, if we were in good times, if the economy was booming, if everybody was, you know, pretty okay, then I'm sure this would have been, you know, much, much bigger. But that's not where the public mood is um, right now. And I think they're smart enough to, to realise um, you know, don't don't overdo the, the the national jubilation. By contrast, for example, this morning um, on Good Morning Britain, the two presenters read out all the names of all the NHS workers and care workers who have died, and you know it's really sobering stuff. One thing that's perhaps interesting about the reaction to the news of this baby, and this is going back to Boris Johnson deferring paternity leave, and nobody really batting an eyelid about that. I wonder if, had this been a female prime minister, things might be different. Are we still treating men and women in politics differently? How we view women as leaders has still got a long way to go. And, and what's interesting is there's quite a debate raging on Twitter at the moment um, where lots of women who definitely wish the prime minister well are just saying, you know, women in politics still get almost like a double motherhood penalty. So if you have a child and you're in politics, the question that is often asked is, I know, but are you really going to be able to, how are you going to juggle everything? You know, how are you going to manage everything? I mean, you I mean, it's just not going to make sense. Whereas, you know, a man can sort of have as many children as possible and it's fine. You know, he's allowed to have those layers. But even women who don't have children in politics don't escape. There's often a kind of suspicion around why women don't have children. And um, Theresa May had a very, very hard time. Um, questions were asked about why she and her husband, Philip, had not had children um you know in terms of was it a personal decision was it a medical decision Nicola Sturgeon has been questioned for not having children so it's almost like you can't win if you do have children uh, people are like well you know you're really going to be focused if you don't have children as a female leader people are like oh is she a bit cold is she not very maternal so I think we've got a long way to go on that front in terms of women in politics and their ability to be a mother or not be a mother. Next. You, know, you could have most amazing Chinese food, Japanese food, British food. If we lose that, I think London loses its soul. I really do. Michelin star chef Jason Atherton, how can London's restaurants revive after lockdown? Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham.
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Enjoying. Will we ever have a scene like this again? Joining our friends, our family and enjoying a meal in a restaurant. It was a simple pleasure, an occasional treat wiped out by coronavirus. At the start of this lockdown, they all had to close their doors. But now it's maybe time to think about what happens when they reopen them. Has the restaurant business changed forever? I'm joined by Michelin-starred chef Jason Atherton, whose restaurants include Pollen Street Social in Mayfair and quite a few others around the world. And exactly like a chef should be doing, he's having his lunch at the moment. And Jason, I'm sorry to interrupt, but thank you for speaking to me. Now, if I was a customer when you closed the doors at the start of this pandemic and then I came back on the first day you opened, how different would things be? Until we're given the guidelines from the government... We have no idea. What are those guidelines going to be? Are they going to be plastic plexi screens between tables? Is it going to be two metres, which is impossible? You can't run a central um, restaurant in Mayfair with the amount of rent, business tax, VAT, all that type of stuff you've got to pay, staff costs, and you know, get to a point where you can break even at least and keep people in jobs with two metre distancing between tables. It's impossible. But... Could you make money or could you break even with two metres if the government step in and say, right, you're going to pay a turnover rent. There's going to be um, a reduced VAT or no VAT. There's no business tax for two years and support our industry to a point where we've got a chance of going back into our businesses and offer the same standard of food and service we did before at the same price point uh, with help from the government. Because also right now, I'll tell you the truth. If I go back to my restaurants, I, I employ 450 people. Can I employ 450 people when I go back? I don't know. Because logic tells you if social distancing comes in and I can only cater for 50% of our clientele, I can only afford to pay 50% of the staff. What happens to the other 50%? There's going to have to be some added furlough scheme for the, for the rest of the staff because we can't face mass unemployment. How does a waiter work with social distancing? How does that happen? So we're already doing a Zoom meeting with our teams talking about how we serve wine from a distance. Before, you would have a sommelier, you'd choose your wine. The sommelier would come, he or she would stand over the table uh, and you'd be very interested for five minutes having a wine briefing about where the wine was, the winemaker, what it tastes like, the notes you pick up. And it's almost like a little mini lesson in five minutes. Well, that can't happen anymore. So, you know, little garret on tables, what are going to be a metre, a metre and a half away from the guests where we present the wine we choose it 
uh, we talk about it and we then either leave it there. So we give the guests a choice. Would you like us to leave it here and you collect it yourself? Or would you like us to put it on the table and walk away? And people will sell for their wine, I believe, for the next, till we get a vaccine. I think it's going to be the same with water. I think also the same for food. We will take the food to the garrion table, leave it a metre and a half away from the table. If the guests want to pick it up themselves, then we'll advise them to do that. If they don't, then we will put it down and walk away. Of course, the atmosphere in restaurants is so important. Are you worried that with social distancing measures, you're going to lose that in your restaurants and bars? Right. You know, we've got one of Soho's most successful cocktail bars, Blind Pig. And if you go in there, why do you go? Because it's packed. There's a queue outside to get in, right? Of course, the cocktails are good. They're fairly priced. They're inventive. Staff are great. But if it's not packed, why are you going there? Who wants to sit in an empty bar? Nobody. So it's that whole, whole process of getting the balancing act right, of not damaging your business because you're not offering the same experience you did. And it's in people's memories because when they go back, if there's plexi screens there, everyone's wearing masks, gloves, disinfectant sprays everywhere. You're like, oh my God, what's happened? And that's your last memory of that restaurant. Here's a big question, Jason, but I think it's quite an important one. What is London without restaurants? I've been in London now since the age of 16. Moved here from Skegness. I washed pans because I was so obsessed by restaurants. I washed pans in a restaurant in, in Kensington for about six months until the chef would give me a job. Stayed with him for a couple of years. Worked my way through some of the best restaurants in the country. And I still remember in 1991 when we hit the recession then and restaurants like La La Quan on Queenstown Road went bust amazing chefs going bust and i didn't i couldn't i couldn't compute why they were going bust i didn't really understand the financial implications of it all because all i cared about was going to work preparing my red mullet and cooking it for a guest right but now i'm much older and i've been through you know a financial crash in 2008 two recessions um you start to understand the workings of, of, of how the world works and, and back in 91 londoners didn't really eat out as much as they do today it was more special occasion it was more there wasn't as many great restaurants now london is absolutely inundated with incredible restaurants from east london all the way to the west and i think if we have to let go of that it would be a crying shame because i genuinely genuinely believe this and i i work all over the world and i'm not just saying it that london is the greatest city in the world and londoners are hardened people I absolutely adore my city and, and to think that we would lose our restaurants or it would recede back to the doldrums of the 1990s would be horrific where right now you could go, you know, not right now, but pre, pre-coronavirus, you could go to East London and eat amazing Ethiopian cuisine. You know, you could have most amazing Chinese food, Japanese food, British food, you know, go back to East London. The pie and mash was just having, about to start having some massive resurgence and, you know, celebrities going to East London to eat pie and mash. And I just think, my God, we're, 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 we're on the crest of this incredible food wave and drinks and cocktails. I mean, our cocktail bars are some of the best in the world. I just pray and pray every day we don't lose that because if we lose that, I think London loses its soul. I really do.
And that's the Leader Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm.